Project Blue Book was started by the U.S. government in 1952 to investigate the growing number of UFO sightings that were being reported. Were any of these reports legitimate, or could they have been something else? Today, we'll discuss some of their findings, including what the government was really hiding during the 1947 Roswell incident, and their findings on the Betty and Barney Hill alien abduction story. Next, on Technically a Conversation. You're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host, Jose, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Isela. How are you doing today? Doing extra fabulous, because all the Halloween stuff is out on sale already. That is very awesome. Yeah, so I'm loving it. How are you doing? I'm doing great also. Good. But for a different reason. Do tell. Because Sandman just dropped last week on Netflix, and it was awesome. Nice. It was such a great adaptation of Neil Gaiman's classic graphic novel, and it only took 35 years of development hell for this thing to finally get made. Okay. <laughs> so that is a, uh, a do recommend. Definitely recommend it. Okay, cool. And Jenna Coleman as Constantine, chef's kiss. <laughs> cool. The whole cast was phenomenal, honestly. I know I had my reservations about some of the choices that they made, specifically Constantine and Lucifer, since I love those characters so much, and Matt Ryan and Tom Ellis played those roles masterfully, but I'm glad that my fears were unwarranted. Jenna Coleman and Gwendolyn Christie did such a great job. I hope that we get a season two. Oh, well, I'm sure you will, because it seems like it's been hanging in the top 10 for a good little bit. It's been number one, I think, since it dropped on Friday. There you go. Even Mark Hamill was in that fucker. Nice! That was a big surprise. That's cool. So, now that I'm done nerding out, <laughs> quick reminder about our contest before we get started. If you enjoy our show, take two minutes to leave us a review. What should they do again, Isela? Pause this awesome podcast. Wherever you're listening, leave us a review, hopefully a favorable one. Take a quick screenshot, shoot it on over to any of our socials. You'll find all the wonderful details at www.technicallyaconversation.com. That's right. We're at Greetings TAC everywhere. We'll read your review on the show. And once you get 25 reviews, we'll do a drawing and give the winner a sexy. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Technically a conversation t-shirt. So again, check out the show notes or check out technicallyaconversation.com for all the deets. And to those of you that have already left us a review, thank you. Muchas gracias. Quick shout out to one half of the queens, Elena and the Duke, Stephen B. Thank you for sharing our post on your social media. I also wanted to shout out one of our new super friends, one half of the ultimate heels, the minister of sin. The Masapan Fed Colossus, Brian. Wow, nice, exciting. Welcome, Brian. Also want to shout out super friend Rocio. She had told me a few months ago that she was really enjoying the show, and I suck, and I never shouted her out. So we're going to rectify that today. 
I was talking to her earlier and she was telling me that she tells everyone she knows about our show, including all of her coworkers. That's very sweet, Rocio. Thank you. We are not only going to shout you out, Rocio. Oh, no. Rocio, you're our super friend of the week. Very nice. Thank you so much, Rocio. With all that business out of the way, <laughs> I think right now would be a good time to take a break. What do you think, Isela? I don't think so. I think we, it's a good time to get started. <laughs> I think you're right. Ready to get started? I am. Great. Let's get started. Isela, have you ever been kidnapped or abducted before? <gasps> I have. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> no, I have not, thankfully. I was like, I've known you for 10 years. Why have you not told me this story? <laughs> oh, well, like, like I just got a t-shirt of it. Ask me about my kidnapping. <laughs> I think that's how I would start all of my sentences. So, hi, my name is Jose, and I was kidnapped when I was 12 or whatever. <laughs> no, that's awful. <laughs> no, thankfully not. Oh, my goodness. This is going to be a good one then. Well, that's definitely good to hear. Do you know anybody who has been? No. Thankfully, I don't think I do know anybody who has been kidnapped. Also very good to hear. I know you love astronomy. I do. Have you ever seen anything in the sky that left you slack jaw and you couldn't explain? Yes. I have seen weird things that was very uh, inexplicable. Would you mind sharing one of those experiences? Sure. I think I've, I might have shared this with our listeners before. I'm not sure. Um, I brought one of my very best friends up to Rio Doso. And while we were out on the deck having a conversation, not drunk, I should clarify, no uh, hallucinogens. I've never taken a hallucinogen. No magic mushrooms? No magic mushrooms. No, <laughs> none of that. Never done that. But yeah, so we were talking and we were, it was nighttime and we were just looking up at the sky and there was this one star that did this weird like a almost like a figure eight but it wasn't necessarily a specific pattern and then she noticed it too and she was the first one to say dude did that star just jump and i said oh my god you saw it too so <laughs> thankfully there was another person to corroborate my craziness what i thought i was like wait wait and you know like sometimes you blink a little bit to see if it's like your own you know, uh, doing or something. And no, it was, it was like shaking and it wasn't um, an atmosphere thing. It was a big enough move. I don't know. It was very weird. Do you remember how you felt? Did you feel like creeped out or, or did you feel excited or do you remember how you were feeling when you saw that? I think I was just doubting myself more where did I truly see what I saw? And, you know, we weren't necessarily even looking at the same star on purpose I think just the movement caught our eye and it maybe brought our eye there. So it was even weird that we were both kind of looking up at the same area because, you know, the sky is pretty big. Um, and we were literally just like looking and we're like chit-chatting and we're like, oh, my God, what the hell was that? So I think it was a combination of first, you know, like the self-doubt. And then it was kind of exciting that somebody else saw it, too. So I didn't feel super crazy. I think I would feel the same way. I would feel a little bit excited. And a little bit scared at the same time. Yeah. So in this episode, I'm going to tell you about a few people who also saw some crazy things. Some of them might have gotten abducted. More specifically, 
we're going to talk about a top secret government program that was developed to investigate some of those claims. Mm. In 1947, a civilian pilot and businessman, Kenneth Arnold, was flying his small plane over Mount Rainier in Washington when he reported seeing nine objects flying in a V formation, moving at high speed in the sky. Around the same time, numerous other sightings of unidentified flying objects were being reported, leading to the U.S. Air Force starting an investigation called Operation Sign in 1948. The results of this investigation led to the U.S. government beginning an official inquiry known as Project Blue Book in 1952 and compiled over 12,000 sightings or related events from 1952 to 1969 when the project was retired. Could these have been Russian spy planes? How about weather balloons? Maybe it was a top secret Air Force plane. Could they have been hallucinations? Or if the History Channel has taught us anything, the answer to life, the universe, and everything is not 42. It's aliens. Let's take a look at some of these stories. Have you ever heard of Project Blue Book before? I think I heard it mentioned in a UFO. Uh, there was like a short limited series on Netflix. And I did see it mentioned on there. But I don't... I mean, it was a while ago. Have you ever seen a Blue Book before? I've looked up values for car Blue Books. <laughs> <laughs> the Kelly Blue Book. <laughs> There you go. Probably one of the most famous blue books. As you can imagine, a database of 12,618 sightings would be massive. According to archives.gov, link in our show notes, along with all of our other sources, Project Blue Book has been declassified and the records are available for examination in the National Archives. Just to give you an idea of how massive this archive is, they don't have their collection classified by number of pages. They have it classified by number of cubic feet. What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> they have roughly 42 cubic feet or 1.189 cubic meters of archives. Although reducing this to cubic meters makes it sound less impressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A cubic foot of records is approximately 2,000 pages. So they have about 84,000 pages. If microfilm is more your jam... As the kids would say, you also have the option to view the archives over 94 rolls of 35 millimeter microfilm. An interesting stat, of the 12,618 sightings that were reported, 701 of them remain unidentified. Oh. So before we pull a Giorgio Sucalos and jump to the conclusion that it's aliens, let's go over the results of the investigations and why the U.S. government pulled a David Saslov and discontinued Project Blue Book in 1969. There were three conclusions that the U.S. Air Force made with help of the University of Colorado and the National Academy of Sciences. Number one, no UFO reported, investigated, and evaluated by the Air Force has ever given any indication of threat to our national security. Number two, there has been no evidence submitted to or discovered by the Air Force that sightings categorized as unidentified represent technological developments or principles beyond the range of present-day scientific knowledge. And number three, there has been no evidence indicating that sightings categorized as unidentified are extraterrestrial vehicles. Uh -huh. According to History.com, physicist H.P. Robertson of the California Institute of Technology headed up the panel of scientists that encompassed Project Blue Book, and the panel attributed 90% of the sightings 
to astrological or meteorological activity or man-made causes such as balloons or searchlights. These are considered identified. The 700 incidents that remained unidentified were cases where insufficient information was provided to assign the event to a known cause. In an effort to be thorough, the Air Force requested another committee to look into the details of 59 UFO sightings that had been investigated by Project Blue Book. This committee was led by Dr. Edward Condon of the University of Colorado and released a report in 1968 called Scientific Study of Unidentified Flying Objects, better known as the Condon Report. According to the report, the sightings they examined showed no evidence of any unusual activity and recommended that the Air Force stop investigating UFO sightings. Per that recommendation and the declining number of UFO sightings, Project Blue Book ended in 1969. That was their David Saslov moment. Since the findings were not fully declassified until 1979, this led many to believe there was a government conspiracy. Well, 10 years is a long time. I could see why people would think that. Yeah, that's fair. As with anything controversial, there were many people that were not satisfied by the government's conclusions, and many ufologists continue to operate to this day. Among them is astronomer J. Allen Hynek, who had served as an advisor on Project Blue Book and went on to create the Center for UFO Studies. So now that we got the boring stuff out of the way, let's talk about a few of the most famous cases, beginning with the story of Betty and Barney Hill, the first ever widely publicized alien abduction story. Oh. After we return from a quick commercial break. Eee, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm Will. And I'm Kat. Ooh, that was loud. Sorry. <laughs> if you love 1980s pop culture, you'll love 1980s now. Each week we discuss our favorite 1980s media. Like movies, TV shows, music. Yeah, we chat with our favorite 1980s celebrities. Let's see, we got a lot of those. Uh, and sometimes it's more meaningful, like affirmations with D. Wallace. And other times, uh, Alex Winter tells us what Bill and Ted's phone booth smells like. Smelly. But it's always fun. And sometimes there's a surprise game, like right now, because once again, it's time to play... When you think of garbage, think of Aki. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, oh, I'm darn. I thought you had some. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to miss the 1980s. You can have your 1980s now. Because that's the name of the show. Did it, you think people got that part? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hello, this is Lafayette. And I'm Carlos from Nerds Talking the Podcast. That's right. Where we talk about everything from UFOs, yep. comic books, I like movies, uh -huh. streaming services, yeah. conspiracy theories, oh. ghosts, mm. video games, yeah. and more. Pick it. All on Nerds Talking the Podcast. You can find us every Friday with new episodes on all digital platforms where you find your favorite podcast, Nerds Talking, the podcast. Now back to the show. Back to the show indeed. Welcome back, super friends. Were you abducted by any aliens during our break, Isela? No, I'm way too excited to hear about the rest of this story here, <laughs> or the actual story, getting into it. Before we do, based on what you know right now, what do you think about Project Blue Book? Do you think the government is telling the truth, or do you feel like it's a big conspiracy or government cover-up? 
I can definitely see where people would suggest they saw something, want or almost demand to, you know, find out what this is, when in reality they give skimpy details. So I could absolutely see when there are times that the government said, hey, you didn't give us enough information to go off of, so it's going to have to be just like, you know, just not enough information. Very feasible. I get that. As far as the other items, so could they all be weather balloons? Could they all be? I don't know. It was around for a long time. This project was around for over 10 years. I mean, 10 years is a long time to spend for, you know, like just dedicating the research. Granted, it's a lot of them, but they didn't find one thing, like not one thing. I don't know. I guess it seems a little strange. Assuming the toilet situation was taken care of, would you want to be abducted by aliens? Absolutely not. I like the fact that they said they never felt a threat from anything. Okay, great. Even if you told me it was like Casper the friendly alien, I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't want to be in close proximity. What if they take over my brain or something? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's E.T. the friendly alien? E.T. was super cute. We underestimate like... Little E.T., even though he was little, I mean, he could have, like, Superman, like, burned a hole through our chest and just burned our hearts or something. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. Personally, I would. That would be my dream, provided that I could live to tell the tale. I don't even care if I have to shit in a bucket or piss in a water bottle like I was an Amazon warehouse employee. <laughs> Although I have a feeling that if I told anyone my alien abduction story... I would probably be beaten up and thrown in Arkham Asylum. Although, if a certain Dr. Harleen Quinzel was my psychiatrist, <laughs> I don't suppose that would be too bad. That's funny. I wonder now how far you would go to possibly be abducted. What if they say you're going to get the probe? Uh, just as long as I guess it's momentary, but I still live to tell the tale. I think that would be one of the few times that I would... You would, you would allow it, yeah. Yeah, that I would allow it, correct. All right, that's interesting. Good to know, good to know. <laughs> now, before the break, I teased about Betty and Barney Hill's alleged abduction story. Their story takes place on the night of September 19th, 1961. They were driving down the empty country road in New Hampshire's White Mountains. They hadn't seen a car for miles, but there was a strange light in the sky that seemed to follow them. When they arrived at their home in Portsmouth, they noticed a few peculiar things. Both of their watches had stopped working. Betty's dress was ripped. Barney's shoes were scuffed up. And Bam Bam was missing his club. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was a bad Flintstones joke. I was like, what? They had a kid with a club? <laughs> there were also two hours of the drive that neither of the hills could account for. And they remembered feeling dirty. Which, BT dubs, I always feel a little dirty. <laughs> I get you. <laughs> In the coming years, the Hills claimed to suffer from disturbing dreams and anxiety. With the help of Benjamin Simon, a psychiatrist who specialized in hypnosis, they were able to allegedly recover memories of gray beings with large eyes that took them up their metallic disc, which was as wide as the Hills' house was long. Once inside, the gray beings examined them and erase their memories. They were like the men in black. Right. I was thinking that same thing too with a little pen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> what does Project Blue Book have to say? 
According to a Mental Floss article that included part of the report, an investigator concluded that the couple mistook the planet Jupiter for a UFO and filed the case under insufficient data as one or more pieces of evidence were missing. The Hills claimed that they withheld most of the details of what they had witnessed because they feared being labeled crazy. What did Benjamin Simon, the psychiatrist slash hypnotist who treated them, have to say? Excellent question, Isela. <laughs> Simon observed that Barney's recollections were generally similar to Betty's, except with fewer details and more emotional outbursts. Oh. He concluded that Barney's recollections were just fantasies influenced by Betty's dreams. So what kind of dreams are you having, girl? <laughs> <laughs> That's a little freaky. Definitely. Now, the biggest influences that Barney and Betty Hill had were in pop culture, because we have them to thank for gray aliens with big eyes and the whole medical examination slash torture porn details, like being hooked up to machines, getting needles inserted into your head, limbs, and torso, and having skin, hair, and nail samples harvested from you. Yay. There was also the delightful story of how excited the aliens were to discover that Barney's teeth could be removed. And I honestly cannot believe that Disney hasn't made a Pixar movie about that <laughs> or made it a fun for the whole family gag in a Marvel movie. Flying discs and flying saucers had already been reported in the past, but the Betty and Barney Hill story made that shit canon. So what are your thoughts, Isela? Were you familiar with the story of Betty and Barney Hill? Not to be confused with Betty and Barney Rubble? I think... <laughs> I think they had mentioned that during the Netflix show. What struck me was how is it that they both couldn't account for it? And I found some similarities in what a lot of people end up doing. And this is just, you know, human nature. They'll see something from afar and they'll say something's chasing them. There was a lot of those calls into the police department in Los Angeles when there was a blackout and people didn't realize that's the moon or that was a specific star, you know? So I thought that was really funny and, and almost a little bit sad too, to be honest. But this could have been another one of those things. And I don't know if I entirely believe it because one, how come nobody else has seen it? And why gray? Why big eyes? I don't think life has to look like what it looks like here. And that's too close to look like here. You know what I mean? We don't know what their gravity is like. We don't know what they're, I don't know. It's just, I'm skeptical. No, that's certainly true. I wouldn't imagine an alien being gray and having big eyes like me. So I certainly understand how you're feeling about that. I don't know if I want to go so far as to say that they were making it up because I'm sure for them it was very real. But if they did make it up, that would be an easy way to explain why there were two hours they couldn't account for. I also think if they were on a stretch of road where they haven't seen a lot of cars in a long time, it's a very common phenomenon that's called highway hypnosis. And you almost go into a daze and sometimes you can get sleepy. It can be very dangerous. Maybe they got all fucked up and scuffled and maybe that's why her, you know, her dress was all torn up. I, I Who knows? Like there's so many other plausible things. But yeah, it could have been very much a shared experience or he wanted to share that experience. And that's why he didn't have full details like she did. I, I don't know. It's interesting though, for sure. Definitely very interesting. The second story I wanted to cover 
was the Roswell incident. Ooh. But believe it or not, it proved to be more difficult than I anticipated, partly because there's a TV show called Project Blue Book that I kind of want to watch now. <laughs> and most of the search results I found referenced an episode for that show. Mm. I even tried to do a keyword search, as Angela from the rehearsal helpfully suggests, <laughs> but it wasn't easy. I will share with you what I did find, though. And I don't know if this show is the same one that you were referring to from Netflix. So according to Britannica.com, in June of 1947, a rancher by the name of W.W. Mac Brazel. And when I see that name, I want to say www.macbrazel.com. Also, WW, that's like double dubs. Oh my goodness. That's a fucking kick-ass name. <laughs> double dubs. That's what I call them all the time. What up, double dubs? <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. You're good. I think it was me that derailed that. It's okay. Okay, so WW Mac Brazel discovered some unusual debris on his ranch near Roswell, New Mexico, which consisted of tin foil rubber strips, and sticks. The following month, he took it to the Roswell Sheriff, who in turn contacted the Roswell Army Airfield, or RAF for short. RAF issued a sensational press release that stated that a flying disc had been retrieved from a local ranch. The Roswell Daily Record immediately published the press release on July 8th with the headline, RAF Captures Flying Saucer on Ranch in Roswell Region. And with that, a legend was born. Almost immediately, the military announced that the saucer had actually been a weather balloon carrying a radar target, and on July 9th, the Roswell Morning Dispatch published this announcement. The article, however, carried an interview with Brazel, who did not believe the debris he discovered was from a weather balloon. Several books and films have been written and made about the Roswell incident and how the weather balloon explanation was a cover-up or a conspiracy. In 1994, the documents regarding the Roswell incident were declassified, and the conspiracy theorists were right. It was a cover-up, but not for what you think. Mm. The weather balloon explanation was a cover-up for a top-secret project called Project Mogul. Project Mogul was a balloon, but its intentions weren't weather-related at all. The purpose was to spy on the Soviet Union. Oh. <laughs> the device was a connected string of high-altitude balloons equipped with microphones and was designed to float at a stealth distance, listening for sound waves that could indicate that the Soviets were attempting to test their own atomic bomb. Since it was during the Cold War, the information wasn't declassified until decades later. This, however, did little to end the conspiracy theories. In fact, it increased interest in the incident, and Roswell became synonymous with UFOs and aliens. In 1992, Roswell opened the International UFO Museum and Research Center, and in 1996, Roswell became the site of the annual UFO festival, which I kind of want to go to now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the request to declassify the information came from Congressman Stephen G. Schiff, a Republican from New Mexico, which is notable because it might mark the first time a Republican has done anything cool since the Lincoln administration. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's going <laughs> to... Okay. <laughs> that's going to go over well. Sure. Who could oppose that, right? Of course not. Yeah, nobody. <laughs> Secretary of the Air Force, Sheila E. Winnell, even released all people from any previous security obligations that may have restricted their statements. 
exhaustive record searches and interviews indicated that the materials recovered near Roswell were consistent with a balloon device of the type used in a then-classified project. No records indicated or even hinted at the recovery of alien bodies or extraterrestrial material. So now that you had the opportunity to hear a couple of cases, do you believe the findings of the U.S. government and Project Blue Book credible, or do you think they were trying to cover something else up? I think it's possible they could have covered something up out of so many. They were, what, 12,000 stories that they were trying to look into and investigate? It's possible that there could have been one thing that they were trying to cover up. And in regards to the Roswell one, I think it's interesting that the stories that we end up, you know, passing on, like the one I think I heard was there were bodies recovered and all this bunch of stuff and... I kind of do wish there were bodies because then (laughs) we would know a little bit more about them, I think. But that's just like the weird part of me that wishes that stuff really would. I mean, I don't want them to die and crash, but, you know, for our safety, maybe that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. (laughs) I think it's no secret that of the both of us, I'm the ever wide-eyed optimist of the two. (laughs) With that said... I do believe that life exists elsewhere in the universe, but I don't believe they have come to visit us. I think that if they were able to break the speed of light barrier that would make intergalactic travel prohibitive, they would probably be too advanced to be interested in us. I think there would be other worlds or other life forms more interesting that they would want to explore. And if they were advanced enough to travel here, I certainly don't think they would have the whimsical childlike excitement and delight at discovering dentures as described in Betty and Barney Hill's alien abduction story. (laughs) Right. I think if anything, they would have sent probes to explore, much like we're doing now. That said, I do have to give them props for all the cool pop culture staples that they introduced to us. That certainly can't be understated. I think that the idea of aliens, even the um, crudely drawn, you know, almost like bulbous head, that's fun to look at. It is Really neat what it signifies, the possibility of life elsewhere. And I I think we would be too narcissist to think that we're the only intelligent beings. Really? There's no way. Of course. I feel like there's other beings that are even more intelligent than us. Right. I think we would just be crazy to think that. But, you know, all that said, I I do agree that all the stories, they're fun to talk about. It's very highly controversial. You know, my sister sends me things all the time of things people have caught, pictures that they've seen, even like on Mars and, you know, what was this weird door? And I mean, it's it's fun to talk about and even just to muse over. That definitely is true. It's so much fun to talk about. And it was a lot of fun researching this topic. Oh, good. That's awesome. Well, Roswell is not far away. I finally went. I still haven't gone. Oh, we got to go. Let's do it. We should plan it. To when they're having that UFO uh, festival. Well, then I think we got to wait until the summer. My sister went during one of those festivals. It was when she was here. It's probably during the summer. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It's probably around July 8th to coincide when the um, Roswell Daily Record uh, issued out that press release. That would be really cool. I'm down. We got all this time to plan (laughs) until next summer. (laughs) (laughs) We could still go check out the museum. I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun, too. Yeah, I went there. It was it was tiny. I wonder if they have any um, pictures or statues of my favorite alien, Superman. They do not. What about Martian Manhunter? No. Sad. Yeah. 
So we had a really funny comment that was made on one of our TikTok videos about the underground city of Dirinkuyu. So I wanted to share that with you. Awesome. Ducky the guy, not to be confused with Ducky the duck, stated, <laughs> I would have told no one and started a fight club in this city. Ooh. A shout out to you, Ducky the guy. Yeah. That definitely made me chuckle and also has me considering starting a fight club of my own. <laughs> what do you think, Isela? Technically a conversation fight club that has a nice ring to it. No pun intended. Don't you think? That makes no sense at all. <laughs> However, I like where he's going with that because for sure, why would you not do nefarious things in a secret dungeon? Maybe they did have fight clubs in the Rinkuyu. We don't know. We weren't there. That's right. Exactly. Maybe that was the OG fight club. You know, the first rule of fight club. Yeah, you don't talk about fight club. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> and maybe what we thought was a cellar to drain the grapes from their juice. Maybe that was just to do the bloodletting of all the people that lost the fight. Right. It was the whole, cut me, Adrian, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and they got one of the chalices. They collected the blood and they drank it. Oh, that's too far. Oh. That was way too far. <laughs> <laughs> On that high note. Yes. We hope that you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review. Tell a friend and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. <laughs> Follow us on the socials at GreetingsTAC. Email us at GreetingsTAC at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669. If you have a story to share with us. Or if you just want to say hello. Or if you just want to say hello to us. You sound like Bill. What's that? That like the one from uh, Hannibal? Put the lotion in the basket. Oh, yeah. Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill, that guy. <laughs> she puts the lotion in the basket. I can do it. <laughs> that was semi-sling blade. <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs>